Hey, and welcome to Tomorrow. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss cooking, edging, and pigs. But first, a word from our sponsors. You know, a lot of people often feel that they need a little more when it comes to system volume, which is where Boom 2 comes in. It's a volume enhancement app by Global Delight. You can get it right now. Just log on to boomformac.com. That's B-O-O-M-F-O-R-M-A-C.com. The app comes with a trial period of seven days during which you can use the entire thing, including the amazing audio effects. Once convinced, which you will be, you can buy it from boomformac.com. So don't keep your ears waiting and log on to boomformac.com right now. Marketers, the age of the customer has arrived and Salesforce is with you for every step of your customer's journey with your brand. Blaze trails across your entire business to create one connected customer experience. With Salesforce, be smarter and more predictive with your marketing using an intelligent platform that integrates marketing with sales, service, and commerce by engaging your customers on any device and channel in real time. Learn more at salesforce.com slash tomorrow. My guest today is a writer who lives in Brooklyn. I don't think she wanted me to say that, but I'm saying it anyhow. (laughs) She writes for Broadly, uh, has written for Munchies, Racked, uh, recently The Standard Hotel, which uh, there's a story we're going to hear. I'm, of course, talking about Amanda Arnold. Hi, thank you. Thank you for being here. Of course. Everybody knows. When I (laughs) say those things in that order. Yeah. Um, And then you wrote, and this, I think one of the reasons that Ryan thought you'd be great to have on Ryan is our producer, in case uh, you don't know. You met Ryan. Yes, but... I met Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Oh, people, anytime. People who are listening might not know. Mm-hmm. Um, He's great. Ryan had read this piece that you wrote about this really upbeat piece about abortion. <laughs> yes. No, but it's yes. an interesting It's an interesting story about uh, death, the image of death yeah, so... and abortion. And uh, please stop interrupting. Me. This is incredible. <laughs> Trying to I'm trying to talk about the story, um, no, and and uh, so he thought that we should chat. But you do a, you write about all sorts of different. I do want to talk about that story. Yes, but you write about you've written about food. Mm-hmm. You've written about obviously abortion. As I stated, <laughs> it's not a topic that you do have done a ton of writing on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, sex. Yes, which I think is an interesting. I feel like uh, there's like a sex writer is a thing. Yes, people are like I'm a sex writer. You're not a sex writer. I wouldn't describe myself as a sex writer. You're not a food. Would you say you're a food writer? No. Uh, no. Okay. I, again, I don't really know how I would describe myself other than, yeah, I take these big topics that, you know, like I like to look into customs and traditions and why we do the things that we do that people maybe not, might not be thinking about and see, you know, kind of investigate it. Like why. Taboos. I mean, taboos. Yes. I mean, like I wrote a piece about spanking where it's like, why is that a like. Why is that something that some people do? And so, like, looking back right. to, like, oh, there why is... Why is that? Yeah, I Why mean, isn't it something more people do is what, I, <laughs> is what I always think. Well, there's all, like, you know, it's like a whole a spanking spectrum. So you, like, look back. So the first, like, piece of art about spanking was in, like, Etruscan, Italy. Like, way, way long ago, it was in, like, murals on their walls. And so... And then I was talking to a spanking expert about it, and so like, like, oh, so hold on. So yes. the spanking is depicted in ancient Italy. Yes. Uh, like a parental spanking, like somebody's misbehaving, or no. a, se- a sex-related spanking. It's like it's sex-related. It's like a woman is mm-hmm. like bent over something. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess. Go on. So like OTK <laughs> over the knee. <laughs> oh, is that how you say OTK? Again, like, you know, I'm telling you, there's okay. a spanking spectrum. No, I get it. There should be. I mean, there's every. If you can do anything, somebody has created a subreddit out of it. It's like <laughs> and created like a library. It's like it's like. I mean, it's not just spanking. It's like mm-hmm. spoons. Like, yes. Not, and I don't mean spooning. I mean the things <laughs> like that the you thing- use to eat soup. Yes. There's definitely 
a spoon subreddit where people are talking about like all of the dope spoons that you can get. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there's a spanking subreddit. I, oh, there is I, a fucking I will spanking. Absolutely find it. <laughs> I was featured on a spanking website. I got <laughs> I got an email sent to me, and they're like. Like we're so proud to like welcome a fellow spanker. And Don't tell me the name of the website. I'm gonna try to guess. It's like slaphappy.com. Here is our spanking. <laughs> our spanking is the subreddit. Yeah. How many members? Do they have many members or? Um, oh, sixteen thousand four hundred and seventy-seven as of our recording. Wow. Non-lurking. You should, you should check to see if my article made it on. I'm I will. Sure. When did you When did you write the article? Uh, that would have been like end of September. So mm-hmm. yeah, so it's not too long ago. Yeah. So anyhow, so but you so mm-hmm. sorry you were saying that uh, it, so there's this uh, spanking in ancient Italy, mm-hmm. and then you were saying it was like over the knee. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Yeah, I mean, so it's like I like looked into like the spanking spectrum and like why some people do it, and yeah, it's a lot about how you know like there's like the like vanilla side of spanking where it's like. It's like two hetero people, like guy like slaps a girl on the ass. Mm. I'm allowed to cuss, right? You can say whatever you want. Great. I do a lot of it. Okay. Um, That's bad. Not spanking, but well. (laughs) 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 You curse while you spank. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I settled down. All right. This is a. This is a show for children. Yeah. <laughs> this is a show for little children. <laughs> We're going to talk about what happens when you do something wrong. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited to walk into a lot of those. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, so it's about how, yeah, there's a whole spectrum of spanking where it's like you talk about spanking and there's, yeah, people who just like a casual slap on the ass. And then there's people who. It's resonant. I know. I didn't mean to. I hit something. Okay, is this? I spanked something. <laughs> yeah. Literally, you just spanked. <laughs> yeah, I had to remember that. Uh, what do you call this arm? John, what is the name of the arm that holds the microphone? The mic stand. The mic stand. <laughs> 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 I'm an idiot. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a, obviously there's a spectrum. Because yeah. there's always people who are like, uh, do it something like just normally. And then people who take it to an extreme. Yeah, so. That's that's all sex things, though. There's people who it's all life things. Yeah, it's like like I like ice cream, and then there's something. It's like I created an ice cream, uh, like an ice cream parlor in my basement. Mm -hmm. I have a pump, and I just I sit and I watch TV and I pump it in. If if there's a thing, it can be fetishized. Yes. No, I mean like so. I've written, I wrote that, then I wrote like a larger piece about. I think maybe we'll talk about later about the dungeon monitors in BDSM dungeons. So basically, the people that come in. Are working for free. Um, Sorry, I gotta tell you why I'm laughing. So I can go ahead. They no, come no. in, they're working for they're free. They're working for free, and they basically monitor all of the play that happens in a dungeon. So, um, why would you? I, if I were <laughs> in the dungeon, I'd be like, I don't Where are want these somebody dungeons? monitoring me. Well, so that's actually a lot. Of, like that was the point of the article. So yeah, I want to be in private in my dungeon. Yeah, I yeah. Want somebody that's what I mean. Like, I'm, is this like a dungeon where it's like you go to 51st Street? It's in this basement. Yeah, so it's like it's like communal play. So basically, uh-huh. like the so what happens is like dungeon monitors. They basically like people that are in the community. They will come into the dungeon and they'll check in every couple or every group that's coming in. Talk to them about what they're going to be doing just so you can know, like, if this person is screaming, like, that's, like, a sign of pleasure. It's like, don't step in there. And mm. so a lot of the article is about how mm. Dungeon like a sitter. Moni- yeah. So, dun- yeah, they're basically – they're kind of like lifeguards is, like, what I compared them to. But oh, they um, – nice. the, <laughs> the issue um, – or I guess one of the bigger issues around them is that they often step into – like, they'll jump into play when, like – 
people in the community don't want them to. Sure. And then obviously, I mean, We've like all been there. Yeah. The dungeon monitor. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> you see someone splashing around you. in the deep end. <laughs> yeah. You've been lifeguarding all day. Yeah. You want to cool yeah. off? Yeah. <laughs> You're in the middle of, yeah. of the BDSM. Yeah. <laughs> your dungeon monitor starts fucking you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like. But I don't, I don't want this. <laughs> and who can you tell? Because the monitor is the person who's supposed to be helping. Yeah. Well, the, you know, there's who a, hasn't been there there's, there's on Fifty First Street? <laughs> you know, there's yeah. I mean, they're supposed to monitor. They have first aid kits in case like something. So okay. Oh, I could talk about BDSM for a long time. No, that's good. I, 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 I want to talk about this. Two things. One, when you said dungeon monitor, I was mm-hmm. like, it's my, I have a kid. Yeah. My first thought was baby monitor. And I'm like, oh, these must be like devices that people install in their dungeon. <laughs> Just put it on eye, the mobile. To keep an eye. <laughs> On what's going on in there. And then I was also like, why aren't they just called Dungeon Masters? Which seems (laughs) like a perfect opportunity. Yes. Wasted opportunity. Oh, yes. Uh, There was a lot of, you know, when I was trying to Google to find Dungeon Monitors to speak with, I, uh, (laughs) the Dungeon Monitor, Dungeon Master, that was a, it was tricky. And who'd you write that for, Broadly? I wrote that for Broadly. So that was one of, yeah, another, I think that was my last large feature that I wrote for them before. Uh, no, I wrote a piece about abortion education in high school. A different abortion piece. A different abortion Wait, piece. Wait, you were in high school when you wrote it? No. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. I've been saving this for years. years. <laughs> I was going to say, wow, I did not see that coming. She said, I'm only seven years away from the Planned Parenthood 100th, and yeah. that's when this piece <laughs> <Yeah>. will go. <laughs> really go. I yeah. got it already. Yes. Um, anyhow, so like, how, does you, how do you end up, like, do you get assigned the story about spanking or the BDSM story, or do you, are you like... Uh, this is something I want to cover. It's usually most stories I will come up with on my own. And it's like, it's funny. I, I was trying to think earlier today, like, how did I write a piece about BDSM dungeon monitors? And did it's you kinda, go to the dungeons? I didn't go to a dungeon. Oh, okay. um, I'd love, I, you know, so <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in, so the reason like the BDSM community caught my attention was because, again, it's very stigmatized. People kind of like have this like, you know, they, they they think they know what's going on down there. They don't really realize that, again, it's like a nuanced community that a lot of what happens, like, in BDSM play is not even sex. So it's, like, is people getting pleasure from things like people who have, like, foot fetishes? Like, that can be, like, yes. as much as just, like, touching someone's foot. <laughs> sure. Or it can be, like. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I just handle feet at the, in yeah. the dungeon. Here's the problem. Here's my problem with the dungeons. Yes. With dungeon. No, we, cult- let's work through this now. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. Here's my problem with dungeon culture. And actually, like, I think what I think is not, I'm not like, oh, wow, I can't believe these people like go into a dungeon or, mm-hmm. oh, they're just doing like, there a, they have a foot fetish or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just think there's something kind of lame about, like, I always think mm-hmm. so, so Fifty Shades of Grey, I didn't read the book, obviously. No, I didn't either. But I did watch the movie mm-hmm. several times. And, <laughs> and, uh, Review. Yeah, um, and here's the thing. Like, I, all I could think was like when they get into. You've seen the movie, right? I haven't seen the movie. I'm how can, so you, how sorry. can you write about BDSM and not have seen the, the most... movie? Is like 45 minutes of her signing consent forms. I think <laughs> yeah. the really plot of the movie is like a con- it. it's like a contract dispute. Is what the movie is yeah. about. It's well, literally about a contract forms dispute. Is also another issue. You know, see again. I, mean, I don't want to. No spoilers, but like, yes. sorry, spoiler alert. If okay. you were sorry for mm. you, I'm not going to say it. Yeah. And but my thing is like, there's just like the what's his name, Christian Gray? Is that the mm-hmm. main character? Mm-hmm. You should know this. Yes. Do you yes. Know it? Yes. You, is that right? Are you confirming? I'm looking at Ryan. Yes, here. it's Christian Gray. Yes. <laughs> he has all this stuff, like his gear, and I'm like, where did he? 
like, would he go on Amazon? Like, where do you get the gear? Like, I just think oh, about Adam and Eve. Yeah. I think of him. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think of him at a at a laptop. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm gonna get this this chain here. It's like. I just feel like there's something like kind of lame about that. Well, okay. I will say I did a little bit of research for a story a while ago about like weird things about Ariana Grande. Stick with me. So no, I'm, I'm with she you. said, Let's I go to these, she was like, I go to these high end sex stores and that's where I get my tour costumes as well. Build it off of like fetish gear because it's built like a pop star. Yeah, that's... Ariana Grande goes there. Sure. <laughs> well, she, there's okay, not her costume. Well, designer. her costume designer goes, yeah, but Ariana she's... Grande walks into a store. That's she a great did one. once. She did once, and the reason that I know that she found this out was because she went into a sex store of her own accord and saw something and was like, that's my tour costume, and had to call her costume designer <laughs> who said, that's where I get your tour costumes from. But I said, oh, a high-end sex shop. She gave us the name, so let me see if it what it is on Google Earth. It's just a more expensive version of, like, the blue DVD you see on, like, you know, yeah, like, yeah. in Chelsea. It's, a sex, it's, a it's just a regular, like, there's no high-end. We're getting, like, bespoke. Like, well, like, oh, Ajahn, there's no, no, see, Ajahn so, Provocateur <laughs> kind of sells some light BDSM yeah. gear. Yeah. And they're very but so does Victoria's expensive. Secret. They're so expensive. Victoria's Secret not as expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not thank, you. Know, thank, not you, thank you for clarifying for, for the children at home. Yeah. Anyhow, so the dungeon masters, you're <laughs> you're going, you're down there. You don't go into the dungeon. You didn't go to the dungeon. I didn't go to a dungeon. Okay. I spoke to a lot of monitors. I spoke to monitors and I spoke to people that uh, like run dungeon dungeon play parties. So oh, right. Okay. Yes. And did any of them seem like? I'm not listen. I think people should do whatever they want. I think they should enjoy themselves. Yes. But did they? Did any of those people seem cool to you? So you're you're gonna laugh. Um, so Sorry, I, is that rude? I don't no, know. no, no. So one of my sources in that story, Master Gabriel. <laughs> Master Gabriel. I, I was waiting for you to laugh. I'm but not, I'm, 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 okay. I'm smiling. I'm Master Gabriel. So he is the master of House Ravenblood. Um, okay. See. <laughs> This is where it takes a turn, where yeah. you're like, this I love like Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. Harry yeah. Potter is very this cool. This is a Harry Potter thing, right? No, it's no. not. Okay. But, um, it, but you're, you're like, it's so cool. And then you hang out with a bunch of Harry Potter people, and you're like, you guys took it too far. No, you, yeah. know, what, you know what happens is they're like, I love Harry Potter as a kid, and now I made a Harry Potter sex dungeon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he is out in L.A., and I spoke to him. He was, like, very, very informative. He, you know, I, I probably talked to him, too, like, three or four times. And the first time I spoke to him, I called him, and he was like, like, sorry, like, my son just got out of school and I, like, yeah. had to get him a snack. Oh. And, like, things were just, like, he is just, like, this, like, normal guy who has, like, this specific, like, sex fetish. And, yeah. and you know, I guess it's funny because, like, you look at – so I found him, obviously, just, like, through Google. And it's, like, the pictures of him online are, like, these, like – he's, like, dressed in, like – I don't – I can't even des- – I can't so, even describe so he does it. This, he does this, like, his – he's, like – publicizing his yeah so he's he's well known in la he does um it's like gentleman's night so he runs a like a specific like type of play party for like men who are dominant and women are submissive and so he has to really real creative (laughs) (laughs) he come up with that one all of human history (laughs) but you like the missionary position we're gonna throw a party he's like i just want a place where i can finally dominate I just need a space where I'm allowed to finally be myself and be in charge. Well, that's the thing is that you'd think if someone's like going to be open about something that this isn't the thing that you need to feel like you have to be yeah. open about. Like, yes. it's what's sort of weird is that, okay, so you're saying this and I'm thinking swingers and like yes. sort of wackadoos that you see in like a Louis Thoreau hey, hey, movie. Judge, okay? But 
when I think about gay guys who are in an open relationship, that's just like all the gay guys I know. Yeah. I feel like it's with straight people that it's the weirdos that end up coming out of the woodwork wow. rather than I think a lot of normal people probably are interested in these things. They exactly. just don't say anything. Have you ever heard of the term reverse homophobia? Because that's what you're doing right now. <laughs> you know what? I'll take it. Honestly, after all the times I got called fag in high school, I'm going to call you what? A, a weirdo? A weirdo? <laughs> hey, listen, I'm into very clean, normal stuff. Nothing, right. weird, nothing weird Thank about me whatsoever. I'm just that's, like Kanye. That's what some of your Maybe your fetish is keeping your weirdness secret. It's mm. not, trust yeah, me. Yeah, see, I mean, look, when, <laughs> <It's> I, <not. laughs> when I wrote that piece about dungeon monitors, I actually had... I had a lot of people come up to me or like approach me like through a Facebook message that I, you know, maybe they were like an editor of mine in like a college newspaper. I went to high school with them, like oh. thanking me profusely for like writing about that. And they're like, you know, like I'm part of that like community and like I don't ever really talk about it because like there's so much stigma around it and I don't think anyone would ever really but like, should, see me the same way. Should we be talking about it? I mean, I feel like this is the. I'm not saying we shouldn't, yeah, but I just don't know. Like, it, let's say, let's say hypothetically, I was a very perverted person. Okay, yes. just hypothetically, yes. that I had very, very strange sexual desires. Mm-hmm. Do I you mean, need to, I mean, should I be talking about? Well, them? I mean, so it's to them, it's like they are part of this community, and so like so much of their support system is, yeah. I mean, it's like it's basically a, a group of people that they all identify in one certain way, and. Right. So I mean, yeah, it's, I, okay, it's, it's like covering any. I get that. Yes, yeah, it's like covering any sort of like minority group. Right. Um, I guess I'm thinking more like like if you could Google it, like, if, yeah. like this guy you're talking about, Gabriel, Master yes. Gabriel. Yes. Like you can Google him. Yes. And you can see pictures of him like doing it. Yeah, because like they're they're yeah. <laughs> to me, that's weird. But, like as but, you I mean, a kid, but, I feel but, like that's just a strange. But look. that's the same thing that where my dad tells me not to be so gay in public or on yeah. profiles because he's like, it down what if someone doesn't? Hi, everybody. I get it. No, but that's a little <laughs> no, different, isn't it? Is it? I, yeah, I think so. Because I, mean, I think it was I just fine. You can do whatever you psychologically want. to just keep secrets, right? Yeah, I'm not saying keep it a secret, but I'm saying like, you know, there. But is that shame your fault or no society? Have fault? we no shame? No, I'm saying like there's a line between like what is yours privately and what is public. I there think, be, be, I think I it's think. because it's so much of their identities. I mean, it's I don't want to say it's another like sexual orientation, but it's like to them, it just like that is an essential part of who they are. And so right. when it's not talked about, it's something that obviously they feel shameful about. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but don't, like, you, yeah. don't you think it's like, if someone brings it up, you can be open about it, but yes, you're right. You shouldn't be, I shouldn't go out into the office right here and say like, Hey guys, this is what me and my boyfriend are doing. Yeah. later." <laughs> I think it's but great think to feel comfortable. Like, I think everybody should feel comfortable to talk about it. But if you find my grinder profile, that's not on me. Right. Do you know what I mean? Do you have a grinder profile? I've had a grinder profile. Okay. In the no, past. Of but if you found it, you. it's yeah. not on me. So I think what the line is is like, yeah, if you Google Master Gabriel, you asked for it. That's but true. I don't think he's at the PTA meeting going, uh, guys, I gotta leave in ten because I got a dungeon <laughs> yeah. to Yeah, but I'm yeah. just saying like master. traditionally, traditionally, and I'm, I know we're in like and by the way, I'm like the last person to argue for tradition. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think like there is something nice about a, di- a, a distinction between like what is completely available on the internet for people to see and mm-hmm. like what you do for like your own pleasure and with people that like you know and trust like yeah. i just think it's like i would yeah i guess like i get but i feel no inclination to talk about like the yeah. things that i do sexually in public like, yeah, it doesn't I, I guess it never strikes me yeah because i mean again it's like yeah it's part of their sexuality i get arrested <laughs> um <laughs> no I, I guess i would argue more that it's more about how they're a community so again it's like a Every community wants to feel represented, and it's not necessarily that 
everyone in that community wants to go out and be the voice of it. But right. because they have, again, mm-hmm. where it's like when I wrote this piece about dungeon monitors and how like there's an issue like where they'll step in and play. And so like that, you know, like that, that like hurts the members of the community. And also I wrote a little bit about how, again, like a lot of dungeons and a lot of states are illegal. And so say like someone were to get hurt, then like the legality around that is right. kind of like a, I mean, technically you could be arrested for sexual assault. Um, and mm. then, yeah, it's like it, a dungeon monitor could be arrested. The person who like runs the dungeon could be arrested. It, you know, it's just, I guess I look, I look at it more as a community and Interesting. kind of like all of the nuances and all of the issues they have within there. Um, so why, it's not like, it's not really clearly defined like under the law, like what the, the dungeon monitor thing. So I guess I'm saying like, why do they, where, at what point are they like, yeah, maybe I'll just jump in here. See, well, that's the thing. There's no standard certification around it, which was again, like a big thing I touched on was that they basically tell you like, because like it's the tricky thing with that is because so much of BDSM is like you're inflicting pain on someone, but someone's getting pleasure from that. So if someone's screaming, it's like, how do you know if that, right. if that's good or bad? Right. Um, safe word. Yeah, banana, so, so boat. Yeah, yeah. banana boat. Banana yeah, But if you're a monitor, how do you know this? You don't know the safe word. Well, I think if you hear someone yelling like George Costanza, you're like, this is probably not part of it. <laughs> See, I think that sounds wrong to <laughs> yeah. me based on what I do. That Josh, like you, you said getting, you wouldn't tell me. I'm just getting started. <laughs> just getting going with George Costanza. <laughs> um, we should take a quick break. Okay. And get back to this conversation, which I'm very interested in. Okay. So we'll be right back. Imagine you have house guests coming, but only one bedroom. What if you could order an extra bedroom for your guests that you could remove after they leave? That's the idea behind Lenovo's next generation data centers built for cloud computing. You see, the cloud is all about giving your company the ability to expand and contract server space on demand without actually adding more hardware. Lenovo understands that on-demand access can give your company a tremendous competitive advantage. Think about it. The faster you can scale up, the faster your dev team can test new applications. And that means you can get new product features into market faster. But that kind of flexibility is worthless if your servers are down. Lenovo servers are number one in reliability and performance because you don't have time for downtime. Feeling handcuffed by proprietary hardware-software relationships? Lenovo systems allow you to partner with leading software providers to ensure your cloud solution is best in class. Lenovo systems can even integrate with legacy software platforms to help get your cloud solution up and running quickly. Learn more about how Lenovo is transforming the data center at www.lenovo.com datacenter. Marketers, the age of the customer has arrived. Get ready. Mass emails or general ad campaigns won't work anymore. Luckily, Salesforce is here to help. Blaze a trail with your marketing and deliver the unique brand experiences your customers want. With Salesforce, marketers open doors between business units by sharing data to collaborate across marketing, sales, service, and commerce. Be smarter and more predictive with your marketing by making recommendations using collaborative data and solve concerns with service integration. Engage your customers on any device and channel in real time, from social media to your connected products, gathering key insights into your customer and business relationships at every stage. Adjust campaigns as you go to drive leads and pipeline. Do all this and more while collecting data from every interaction to build a complete view of every customer and manage your marketing strategy from your desk or your phone. Be a customer trailblazer. Discover one connected platform for one connected customer experience with Salesforce, the customer success platform. 
Learn more at salesforce.com slash tomorrow. Okay, we're back with Amanda Arnold uh, from Indiana, I'm told. <laughs> yes. And uh, we're talking about, we've been talking about BDSM for like 20 minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to segue into, <laughs> yeah. so you also wrote, a, you, did a, you did an interview about sex magic. Yes. Which is, <laughs> we're, we're talking about non-sex issues, but yeah. um, sex magic is, uh, now I didn't read the interview. Yes. So I'm, I'm going to plead ignorance here, but sex magic is you are doing magic to improve sex that you're having or yeah. you're casting a spell on someone to get them to have sex with you? So I talked to two, like, shamanic sex coaches mm-hmm. and they – yeah, so, I mean, the article was basically a primer into, like, what sex magic is. I mean, I'm going to say right off the bat I wasn't an expert. I am not Who an expert. Who is an expert? <laughs> only, like, a sex – A shamanic yes. sex? Yeah. Yes. A sex <laughs> magician yes. would be the only person who's if, actually an expert. But if, if you do know a spell that makes people have sex with you, if you yeah. could just walk us through <laughs> yeah. that, that would be fantastic. Give us the steps. Can, can you grab me a pen and paper, yeah. please? No, so I mean, a lot of it is about, you know, like setting an intention before you have sex. Um, you can yeah. do sorts of like rituals. You know, it's like I talked to them about like exactly like, you know, like how do you start? How do you do this? And their first thing was to say, like to make sure that your partner, if you're going to be performing sex magic, you should tell your partner. Yeah. You don't, which, want, to, you don't want some crazy shit to go down. <laughs> some you know, a demon shit. shows yeah. up. Right? And they're going to be like, what's up? Where did this demon come from? You don't, don't, you know, if, you don't, oh, if, you don't if you don't clear it beforehand, you've got a Buffy episode. Yeah. I, did, uh, I, I don't think you'd ever call it a demon. sex magic ritual before we, anyhow. Um, you wouldn't call a demon. I don't, I don't think you would. What if you needed him to work as a dungeon monitor? <laughs> yeah. I still don't think you'd want the a demon Elzebub. there. Can I mean, you would you, would you want this? a demon there while you're getting it on? Depends on the demon. Exactly. <laughs> okay, good point. Yeah. Okay, so um, anyhow, so they said make sure you tell your partner. Yeah, unless you're like performing it alone, in which case like yeah. you, you, you know Solo that you're doing Solo sex magic. Yes. That's a book. Yes. No, I was like, what about for like people out there that like don't have like a casual person or a yeah. boyfriend, girlfriend, what have you? And they're like, oh, you can do it alone. So I was like, great. Okay. What, um, like to attract more sex or for other reasons? So it's I don't know how graphic you want to get, yeah. but I'm very curious. <laughs> My parents will love this. Yeah. Um, no, it's basically about setting like an intention before you have sex um, or perform anything. And what does setting an intention mean? Setting an intention would be like if you have like a broken heart or mm. it can even like they were like even if like if you're looking for a new apartment and like oh, it's, you're it's using, basically you're using the power of sex yes to make the magic happen yeah so it's like it's oh. one it's like oh. it's a third option I didn't even think of it yeah so it'd be like yeah like trying to like think of like all of the energy so the energy is like released when you orgasm and so it's like trying to I hope you guys are fine with me talking about all of this. Um, I'm f- disgusted, but please keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I feel great. Um, no, so it's like about that, and so like edging, so like to hold. I mean, <laughs> okay, all right. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry you asked me to no, talk I about. Love, it. <laughs> I love how like I love how I suddenly feel like I gotta keep it. Under yeah, control. I gotta like Grandpa Tobolsky. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Edging, edging is apparently powerful yes. for sex magic. Yeah. Um, Great. I'll keep it a little cleaner. Um, so no, don't keep it cleaner. Who cares? <laughs> um, okay. Don't clean well, up this only, dungeon. Well, only, the most, only the most depraved <laughs> individuals listen to this podcast. So you can just Are do you whatever. Are you going to show you when I accept my pitches? Um, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so it's about like you would like release energy upon orgasm. Okay. Um, so and edu- just like thinking. But it makes it more powerful. Yes, yeah, so, like holding back mm. to like build up energy. And okay. it's about, a lot like a video game in a way. It's yeah. like it's a Street Fighter where you can build up your special attacks. Yes. And yeah. so then it's like <laughs> you would direct all of the energy after that toward like one thought or one wish or one. Right. I guess like anything that you really want. And so. Is there, do they say if there's like a thought or a wish that is better, that is more likely to be affected by sex magic? Um, not like really. Money doesn't work, but like no. finding an apartment does. No, um, there really isn't anything that they were like, you can't, like, you can't direct your energy toward that. Right. So okay. you could good. really do it for anything. And you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, also like their point was, because I was asking, I was like, how do you know if you have done it? Correct. Like, how do you know if that worked? And so, yeah. they're like, you know, like if, like if what you wanted like happens, then like, you, like you maybe become a believer. But like if not, then like, you just like got off. So what's yeah, like hey, what's the no harm? harm no foul. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's not like you're jumping through some hoops and killing a pig and having yeah. to run around. Yeah, exactly. What do you do? So what is time? it? Like, are there are there? Yeah, are you getting like frog legs or is there like a stew? Is there? stuff you have no. to drink is there like it's an incantation no i mean again like that's like of all okay. like types of magic if like there's one that a beginner wants to practice it's like hmm what do you already know how to do that doesn't really require <laughs> what anything are you good else? at <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you're saying, so you're saying the entire sex magic thing is just thinking of something you want while jerking off <laughs> just, you, i guess if you want to like, like every <laughs> It also just sounds like anybody jerking off. But I guess you're not rushing through it. Okay. So it's a little bit like good advice. Yeah. Um, So okay. (laughs) This is like so. So we went from from um, secret sex to to the secret. During sex, uh, okay. <laughs> Ryan was dying. He was like, "I gotta get it this built up. Out. It <laughs> built up. Oh, you built it built up." <laughs> Jesus Christ, he's here all week, folks. Uh, vaudeville, vaudeville producer. Thankfully, I'm not. <laughs> uh, yeah, thankfully, we're all not. Um, okay, so anyhow, so you've also you've written about things other than sex. You've yes. written. You've written about. You wrote a lot. You've written a lot about food. Yes, um, that's actually how I started. So are you like? So is, I, I'm always curious with food writers. Are you really into food? Like, is this something you were like, well, I'm passionate about food. I need to talk about it. No. So, I mean, I guess I got into food because, again, I was studying anthropology and I was interested in, like, cultures and traditions and why people eat certain things that they eat and why. I mean, the reason I really love food is that everybody eats so you can really talk about anything you want with it. So you can talk about politics with food. You can talk about, yeah, um, like, gender roles, like, in, like, different parts of the world where, like, some people, like, women won't eat with the men. And so... And also, the way it should be. <laughs> That's what I always say. Uh, <laughs> Do that in private. Yeah, I don't want to see that. <laughs> Anyhow, you think everything should be in private. So, so, um, so, yeah. So, what's the transition to writing from like you go from like writing about food to writing about to sex to sex? Um, yeah. Or is it just like you're just like I'll do whatever? I think <laughs> <laughs> I'm down for I, whatever. I think there's a lot of common like themes in food writing and sex writing, and that you're writing about this like primal desire that everyone has everyone feels a need to do um and so that says a lot about your identity so like what you eat you know it could say that you are concerned about like your weight or that you like you're a vegetarian and like you care about the environment and you like don't want yeah you don't want to be eating cows and like having like to add to greenhouse gases same with sex where it's like you could just be getting off like just like sleeping with whoever that you want, or you could be engaged in like the BDSM community, and that's yeah. like very much so part of your identity. You and so dungeon, you could be a dungeon monitor. Yes, and so 
it's, I mean, again, it's, it's dealing with things that directly relate to your body and your identity. So it was really easy for me to go from like one to the other. I started at Lucky Peach back when I was in college. And so again, it's like, I never was a food writer that was like, let me tell you how to cook because I am not a great cook. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, same, same. I appreciate good food. Um, but I think See, I ultimately don't, I came. don't appreciate it. No, it's true. <laughs> I don't understand. I really don't understand like people who are really excited about food. I, I, I mean, I guess I understand it. But to me, food is like a means to an end. Like I'm fine. Yeah. Like I'll eat something that's really good and yeah. I'll enjoy it. I mean, I but am. I'm also like, but you're, you just said sort of the same thing about sex where you were like, it's not, I don't need to, it doesn't need to be a theme park. Oops. Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't say that. <laughs> I did not say that. I jokingly was like. I'm not into that. I, no, I think sex should be completely fucked up. Um, but you want to feel like shit after. Yeah. I, I think sex should be really like, should out. take you to the yeah. edge of sanity yeah. and beyond. Yeah. But but like with food, I'm like, I'll just have whatever. Like, but like, I mean, she wrote this piece about people stick. that eat poison, and yeah. that mm-hmm. doesn't feel too far from BDSM. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's that all about? Yeah. So that was for Mask Magazine. Um, yeah, about looking into. So like Jamaica's national food is this plant called aki and it's something that when they first started eating it if you don't boil it all the way it will poison you and it it can kill you um hmm. and so what a strange like blowfish exactly you know yeah so it's like again it's but like people aren't actually eating the poison well i mean so if you don't actually cook the aki enough if you don't boil it enough then and you eat it or if you eat it unripe then it's poisonous it can kill you there was like there's been a couple like waves in jamaica where it killed like lots and lots of people really but again, it's their national food, and so that was interesting to me. Like, why, why are people eating something that's poisonous? And so, is it delicious? That's usually the reason. Yeah, I. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody eats any poisonous, it's because it's delicious. Yeah, but like things like where, like in Japan, if you're eating like blowfish, it's like is that really that good? I've never had it, but I'm like, know. I can't imagine it being like that much better than. But it's like apple seeds and arsenic, where you're like, you don't. If you're if you're used to it, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, you just don't eat apple seeds. What yeah. Do you, what do you mean? You can't eat apple seeds. Apple seeds contain arsenic. You can eat them, but you shouldn't eat a bunch of them. Oh, okay. Well, I, isn't all food in some way poisonous if you eat it the wrong way? <laughs> yeah, I, I <laughs> like will say. Like, if you eat like a raw chicken, you, like, go to Chipotle you can get really on a bad sick. day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. I will say that thought crossed my mind. I was like, you know, really? Everything, everything's bad. It was like when the New York uh. Mag piece came out about, if you're not into food, maybe you didn't read it, but all about like the future of like food and what you should be eating and if you eat cheese, like this, it's good for the environment, but it's bad for like this, you know, just like all of the issues with all foods. And the takeaway was like, basically, you should not eat. Yeah. <laughs> everything no, is agree. bad you for everything. You should wait until fruit falls off of a tree and only then should you eat. So you wrote about you wrote about food, futurism yeah. in food. Um, I did not, unfortunately, speak to the futurists. They, um, I don't know if there are any still alive. I mean, I'm sure there are some like weird futurist like groups out there, but... I wrote about they like produced this cookbook, which it was like the it had like a few like main points where it's like, I mean it, it was a, it's a very like fascist cookbook where it's like, like we're like, like we're no longer eating pasta like the national food of Italy because it makes men like heavy and like they can't be like the superior sex if I, they. Like, I agree. Are, yeah, this is written in the thirties. This is like a meal. Yeah. When was this written? Hold on. Yes, um, the thirties. Um, in the twenties, I think it said it started. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the. I think it came out 1933. I'm looking at it right now. Here's a photo of the the meal. So it's like on a mirror. Hold on, is that an actual meal? Yeah. So if you go to like the actual, like I mean, so much of the book is just like propaganda for 
the futurist movement, which is basically just fascism. And then if you go to the back of the book, they talk all about meals. <laughs> and it's like they're like these extensive like paragraph after paragraph where it's not actually a meal. It's like <laughs> blindfold your dinner guests, like spray amber. Ugh, like, it's so European. <laughs> <laughs> it's so European. It's like <laughs> it's like that eating in the dark restaurant. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. You know, guys, just have a fucking hamburger or <laughs> yeah. something. And take it easy. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Master Gabriel. Just let me eat my eggs. <laughs> Seriously, it's like just get a burrito and chill out. Um, anyhow, so this is interesting though. Like I was not aware of this. So this is like this well, is essentially like a pro- piece of propaganda. It's a piece of propaganda. Then it's it's talking about food, but in a way where again, it's like it's tied to your identity. If you're a futurist, this is how you should eat. But it like the even the recipes in it, they're not they're not recipes. I mean, it's like yeah, like boil one leg of chicken with like a sprig of this and then like spray your face with like the strongest perfume you have. Oh, Get God. that Evian stuff from Sephora really <laughs> yeah. glow. Yeah. Right. No, uh, Laura's obsessed with that stuff. You name it, it's like the face spray. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite thing. Yeah, we, have, I have we literally have, we, I, in, in, in the uh, hallway of our, uh, we have a side door and mm-hmm. there's a hallway there and there's a package of like, Eight, they come in like a whatever eight yeah, pack or from twelve Amazon. pack or something, yeah. And they're they're just sitting there like they did a gold box deal on it once, and I was like, yeah, we could use like thirty two bottles of that. Yeah. And we're I don't never going to run it. out. It's just you spray your face with it. It's you just water, spray your yeah. face. With it doesn't see. I don't want my face to be wet ever. It makes I you look dewy. Sets, it sets, and then you look dewy. Yeah, just, it's oh. a dewy. Like you kind of tap it in. Josh, and then... look at my skin. It's working. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm just going to come off looking sweaty. Like I don't think that you're probably spraying it too close to your face. I haven't. I'm not spraying it at all. You've never even tried it. I love my dungeon. This is, this is your issue. You've never even tried it. I've tried it. No, she's she's okay. had me try it. My wife, okay. Laura, has had me try it. We're going to do um, a before and after. You know what's so funny? That I think of – so you wrote this piece. Sorry. It's for LitHub. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called Why the Futurist Cookbook Was the First Lifestyle Blog. Yes. In which the writer eats a bizarre dish off a hand mirror. You actually mm-hmm. ate this? Oh, uh, yes, I did. Did you cook it? So that dish, I had to um, make a few adjustments, which I thought the futurists would approve of because so much of their thing is like – like being genuine and like every dish has to be authentic. So I was like, all right, I'm going to be liberal with this because I think it asked for me to, yeah, it was like some weird fruit compote. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, I mean, it was like, eat your dish off of a mirror. And I was like, <laughs> it was, I forget which dish or what so the name of it was. you can see how gross you look, fatty. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, I actually thought there was one that was like <laughs> cooking for one. And I was like, yeah, I guess I'm going to be cooking for one. And the whole thing, <laughs> the whole thing was about like, it's like, like cook yourself a like a thing of I mean not mashed potatoes but it was like something like mashed potatoes and then it's like and mold it into your ideal like partner and I was like that would just make me very sad. Yeah, <laughs> My ideal lost. partner does not resemble mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you don't know. You know right. what? You got to explore. Or it's like yeah, like cook something and then like pre- like pretend to discuss the food with someone who's not there. And I was like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> um, I'm just looking. I'm reading. This is the bachelor dinner. Is this what it's? Did is I do? You? Did I cook something from the bat? Yeah. So I mean, the bachelor dinner was what? Is that a different thing? Uh, that was like the. I think. I think there was like there was one that was like a, a much much sadder version. Oh, this is the one here. Hold on a second. As I am partnerless, the bachelor <laughs> dinner appealed to me at first, but the meal involved crafting characters like a dark man friend and a beautiful nude out of random foods, which I concluded would make me feel both sad and weird. <laughs> a dark man friend? Is this like the I have a black friend of futurist? No, I mean like. <laughs> well, what's so interesting is like you know you say futurist and you're like oh yeah it's. 
It's supposed to be so modern. Yeah. Oh, no. This is like <laughs> extremely racist and sexist at every. It's not. <laughs> it's very yeah. offensive. <laughs> yeah. I thought maybe what they were going for was like, this is the necessities you need. So kind of soylent, like, but, 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 but obviously pre like our mm. digital uh, whatever version ate, of that. You ate flesh adored. It's a, a sliced yes. chicken perfumed with amber, amber mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a layer of cherry jam to be served on a shiny mirror so that the diner could admire herself as she ate her food. Yes. And see, I did not have a chicken. Um, I was about to be moving into a new apartment and oh. I had an egg and I was ah. like, you know what? Chicken egg. Yeah. It's kind of cool. I'm being very clever here. Very interesting. I had cherry jam, which I don't normally have. And I was like, I've eh. never even heard of cherry jam. Is that? Oh, oh I see. It's jam made of cherries. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've heard of it. I take that back. I was like, wait. I'm like, what's sex? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like food. And I've never heard of jam. <laughs> I'm here to interview you. <laughs> when you, what do you write about? You, yeah. <laughs> you write about what again? Yeah. I, I hope you cover I, abortions. Cause that is the one thing I am very interested in. <laughs> <laughs> this is a completely, completely insane podcast. I, uh, I hope you're okay. learning a lot. Anyhow, so you replaced the chicken with an egg. Yes. And then I also, <laughs> my my perfume that Fitting. I- Yeah. <laughs> the perfume I own has a hint of amber in it. And no, I was like, what? cool. You sprayed it on the chicken? No, myself. I, mean, the, I put it on, on myself. Because oh. I was like, if I'm going to be looking at myself too, I guess like I can just be vain. Wait, amber has a scent? Isn't that a type of like fossil? Or not fossil, but a- uh, Stone? Yeah. I Isn't will... that what bugs get trapped in? Yeah. That's how you do a dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> you I need think, amber. <laughs> I think there's an oil. You know, I did not look too much into it. All I saw. That's clearly. <laughs> wow. Well, now we know a little bit about your research techniques. <laughs> Very lacking. Uh, okay. So, that's so, something you'd write about. So you ate it off the mirror? You didn't use a utensil? Um, you just no, like I ate sucked it off the mirror. What do you do? You lick it off the mirror? No. I mean, I used I use my hands. Okay. Um, they, they told me I could use my hands. Oh, they did? Yes. Okay. And then I looked at myself after. I mean, this sounds so European. It's insane. <laughs> like, it really is. It's also, like, very – it's, like, very art with a capital A. Yeah. And, I mean, again, I was, like, this is, like, conceptual art. I mean, one one of the recipes was, like, cook this massive meal, invite over your guests. And it's, like, you'll, like, put, like, felt down by them and you'll have them, like, rub the felt at certain times of the night. And then cook different things so they start to smell different foods cooking. Oh, these people. But then the secret is you never eat. Then you just – you go home. But you, you never feed them. How did you find the Futurist cookbook? <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, so again, it's like I write about food, but like I'm interested in like the weird things of like weird things about food. And so I was interested in how, again, this is like this was like this like group of people that thought that like we want to put out like, like what essentially is propaganda. Um, and it's like they're not the first people to do that. There is uh, I think it's being republished. In the like next few weeks, uh, Salvador Dali wrote a cookbook. So like food and art crossing <laughs> is not a like. It's gonna be all like ostrich eggs. You eat them upside down and in uh, secret. Exactly. That's, that's yeah. my dream. Yeah. <laughs> that's my fantasy. Ostrich <laughs> eggs are huge, right? Yeah. They're massive. They're like. Yeah, I guess you guys can't see how. I would feel very bad about eating an ostrich egg. I don't think I could do it. I like I like eggs, but like. I don't know, like eggs. Too much eggs. Egg. It's too yolk, much egg. A lot of yolk. No, I was gonna say the yolks uh, kind of gross me we, out. Have you ever had an ostrich burger? No. Hmm. Is it made of ostrich? Mm-hmm. When I, I lived in think... Sydney, they were like a thing. Yeah. You lived in Sydney. You ask me this on the podcast every week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Indiana had those. Wow, well, they're not good. They're gamey. Yeah, of course. 
Yeah. yeah. It's everything's gamey. But the thing is, if it wasn't gamey, Purdue would sell it. But they don't. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, you know you're not getting a little ostrich egg in your in your in whatever they're selling. I mean, it's all a bunch of Yeah, you never know. Disgusting shit. All right. Let's get let's talk let's get serious. Yeah. Well, this has been because we have not been a serious for a single moment. It's time to bring this down a yes. notch. Okay. Way down. Um so you did this piece about um the uh the pro choice movement. Yeah, so I, yeah, it's my most recent piece that I wrote. It was actually, so it's centered around this woman named Jerry Santoro, who, um, she was married, she had kids, and then had a lover. Her husband was abusive. He was away, and she got pregnant. Her husband wasn't home, and then she found out he was going to be coming back to, I think, Connecticut is where she lived. Um, and so she was going to resort to an abortion because it was 1964. It was so pre Roe v. Wade. And she and her partner went to, I mean, he basically walked in with like a school textbook and a catheter and tried to perform it yeah. in a motel, which again, like before, like pre Roe v. Wade, there were like back alley abortion. That was just, I mean, that was your only choice. And right. so what happened to her was not necessarily unique, but. So she she hemorrhaged and died on the floor, and her picture was taken. And it's a, I mean she's completely naked. Like I guess it, I think of child's pose, child's pose in yoga, um, where she's yeah her body is like slung over her knees, and that picture was published in Ms. Magazine, which is crazy. What year was it? Uh, it was right after Ruby Wade passed. Mm. Um, and yeah, so like that was like I so I the reason I started writing about that was because. All the things I was reading about it was about how iconic this photo was for the pro-choice movement. And I was like, I've never seen this image before. And then I was like, why is this like why was this such an iconic photo that was in marches and walks for years and years, but it's no longer anymore? And, and I mean, part of me is like, I realize like why like we're just we're more like sensitive to like that sort of stuff now. And so but again, it's like I don't think that Ms. Magazine definitely had a political agenda. I don't think that would have ran in just like the New York Times. I don't think right. that. No, Ms. Magazine definitely had a, a political agenda. I mean, sort of the why it existed. Yes. But this is also like pre that like um, whatever happened to the human race video where like the conversation on abortion, like they hadn't tied Christianity to the pro-life movement yet. So I think it was more like people discussing like, women's it? issues. Wasn't so, it? So, so. It was in the 1960s is when fetal imagery. So I talked about this. When fetal imagery kind of became a thing, it was, I mean, the technology that you use for fetal imagery is like actually like a submarine technology. And so hmm. fetal imagery was, it was like in the 1960s that it became popular. And there was a photo essay published in Life magazine that was like basically showing, again, a fetus that they were calling a baby and like also calling a he, um, even though it was female. Hmm. <laughs> the fetus, the fetus. <clears throat> um and well, everything should be male, okay? <laughs> you brought the right person on for this. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so this was kind of an answer to that, to the anti-abortion movement was that, you know, like you're saying, like, look at all of these, and they're like how like, they would call babies, look at all these babies you're killing. And so right. Ms. was like, well, look at all, like, the women that are dying. And so, but the interesting thing to me, which I didn't realize when I started writing the piece was that, they published that photo with the headline "Never Again" because the attitude right after Roe v. Wade was that, like, look at it, like we solved abortion, like never again will it be hard for anyone to access, like we never have to right. worry about this happening again. And so, 
that was really fascinating to me. And so I called up the editor of the publication at that time and the woman who wrote the story and talked to them a lot about it. And yeah, they say like it's again, it's like people in their generation, they're they're probably late 60s, early 70s. Like everyone knows that photo. But again, like my generation is not familiar with it because it hasn't really been. Yeah. I mean, we're not really seen anymore because I think the reason I got interested in the story is I was trying to think like what are images that like represent the pro-choice movement besides like the coat hanger. And so this one like was very much so in like the 80s and um right. Yeah, and it, it fell out of favor and so I wrote a lot about how this image was an answer to the again like the advent of fetal imagery and yeah, the impact it had but also how it's like today the like the focus is still, like we're not really seeing that as much anymore but like we're still very much so fighting for access and so yeah, I mean, the woman, the editor, and the writer of this piece, um, of Ms., the Ms. piece, both were just like, we can't believe that we published that with the title Never Again, because, like, it's like, here we yeah. are. It's over. We're well, right. never going to have to well, bring I mean, this up again. I mean, I do actually think those two things are really deeply connected. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the fact that you're saying, like, well, why don't we see this anymore, mm-hmm. and their sentiment of it, you know, never again, mm-hmm. is, you know, you get so far away from, it's like this thing with, you know, growing up Jewish, I you know, constantly heard people talk about the Holocaust and like, and I remember when Schindler's List came out and all of like everybody who was not who I knew that wasn't Jewish was like, oh, wow, you've got to see this movie. It's like really powerful. And I'm like, yeah, I've been hearing about this my entire fucking life. And like everybody knows about it and talks about it. And it's like really, we're like really, really aware of it. Mm-hmm. And like, I know it was like, everybody was like, you know, we could never forget. We have to always, you know, we need movies like Schindler's List. And it's like, but, you know, it does, like, look where we're at now with that, like, with, mm-hmm. like, neo-Nazi, like, neo-Nazism on the rise and Trump. And, like, and it's the same It's the same people mm-hmm. who are also on the side of, like, you know, pro, pro-life. pro I mean, not all of them, obviously. Mm-hmm. There are pro-life people who are just, like, purely, like, this is a religious issue for them mm-hmm. or whatever. But but you do see this rise of, like, those, those things that we thought were so impossible to ever forget mm-hmm. actually become much easier with time, right? Everything mm-hmm. with time. And so, like... I think it's interesting, like, you think of a generation of women, several, like, two generations or mm-hmm. whatever raised to not worry about it. Yes. And now, and now it's like suddenly it's it's re- it's relevant again. It's like, cra- it's actually crazy. But I think it's a really interesting, I mean, it is true that, like, when you stop showing people um, images like that or mm-hmm. you stop talking about it, it becomes so easy for people to forget about it. I mean, our our memory is so short, especially mm-hmm. now. I'm just rambling. Yeah. But like the internet has made our memory really short, right? Yes. You're always like, oh my God, they, like that cat, did you see that? He's like pizza rat or whatever. Like remember pizza rat? Yes. I don't, yeah. like, when I said it, by the way, I was like, "Is was that even a thing yeah. or did I just make that up? Pizza rat, it was like, can't stop talking about pizza rat and like, okay, pizza rats. Okay, I, I, yeah. know, what, <laughs> I know it just sounds like I just equated <laughs> The pro-choice movement no, but and the I know Holocaust with mean. pizza wrap. But what I'm saying is like we're so caught Distracted. up in these like momentary distractions that seem so important and then are like not important at all that yeah. like you start to lose the thread of like what needs to be held on to and what well, doesn't. Well, I think what was really interesting for me with that piece was, again, it's, it's probably the favorite thing I've ever written. And I at that point, I was like, I think this will get like a good reception or at least like we'll pick up some traction. But I wasn't really expecting it to get the amount that it did. And so, like, on Facebook, what was interesting was almost, like, all of the comments from, I mean, depending on, like, which site it was shared on, but a lot of the comments were from, like, people in their 60s and 70s saying, like, 
I remember this photo. I never forget this photo. Like, I think about it every day. Like, people that have right. really, really held on to this photo. And then it was someone shared it on Reddit, and it was the top story for a while. And I think it's it's still, like, the first or second top story of, of the week. You, from your story? Yes. Yeah. The link is. And it has, like, over a 1,000 comments. And I'm trying to think. It probably has, like, 9,000 or so shares on Facebook right now. And um, so many people have never seen that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I, yes. I, I, like, it's crazy to think um, how, yeah, I mean, just how, you know, I was, I was talking about something the other day that I thought everybody knew something way less important. Mm -hmm. But it, you know, it was like one of those things that you assume, like, oh, of course. But it's like whenever anything's on depressing or like uh not convenient to talk about you just kind of like push it away and then you have people who are like in there who are like 17 and they're like they don't know about like i don't know basic things from his like they don't know what they don't john didn't know anything about vietnam because he just he, he took an alternate class that year he knew nothing about the horrors of vietnam i like showed him images and he was like that was on tv like it like blew his mind or like mm. matthew shepherd like Is he canadian who would know that <laughs> he went to catholic school oh mm. he doesn't know about matthew shepherd well, he didn't know anything about Matthew Shepard. I'd oh, like really? explain it oh, to I, like, him. Really, like, see, I'm like Matthew Shepard is like was like all over MTV, and so I'm like, yeah, but that's the like thing. It's, it's not a nice thing to talk about. So they're not doing a Glee episode about it, you aren't know? They? Aren't they? <laughs> but it is interesting because, like, again, like the attitude right after Roe v. Wade was very much so celebratory. So, yeah. like, again, this image was like. What a weird thing to celebrate, too, by the way. Yeah. It's, like, such a strange thing, right? Because you want to have, like, the freedom to make a choice about your body. But mm -hmm. then it's, like, not like anybody's, like, yeah, I'm so pumped I can get an abortion. Yeah. Like, like yeah, I assume there's somebody who's, like, oh, fuck it. I can't wait to get an abortion. Yeah. Like, there's some weird person who's, but like, But it, it's okay. sort of, like, a cancer breakthrough where you're, like, yeah, like, something good is happening. But also, like, we're not so happy you have to have it. Like, so, right. I mean, that was, like, right. me, like, trying to, like be excited about the story publishing where I'm like, I'm so excited. And then it's like, I had people read it and be like, I cried a lot. And I was like, yeah. Oh, I was like, I mean, like I'm mm, excited. Please share on Facebook. You're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, I need please like engagement. Yeah. No, I mean, Could you write, you cried on Facebook. I need the comment. You're no, like, cause you're I, was, like, I was like, I was like, how do I say like, I'm so excited about this, but like, it's also, it's not like, I mean, it's not like a down piece, but it's, it's a uh, complicated. It's complicated. Yeah, it's you, you, you come away from it feeling a lot. And, yeah, again, it's like I had some people. Any health story. Again, like I like a lot of the, like, the older generation that like knew the photo were like, we're so happy someone's talking about this again. That's like reminding us of like where we like we thought where we thought we were in the 1970s and like where we still are today. Versus again, like the younger generation just being like, I've never seen this photo before. Yeah. I'm like I'm really emotional. Like I like this. Ultimately, we're shocked again because it's like we, we don't see images like that in right. Anywhere we've changed, we definitely we obviously have changed dramatically. Well, the 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 level of like urgency has changed, right? Yes. You're like, oh, it's been this way. I said two generations. This actually really is like maybe just one generation mm -hmm. of women who've lived without like this sort of situation hanging over them. I mean, when did the when mm -hmm. was Roe v. Wade? Nineteen seventy three. Seventy three. Mm -hmm. So really, is like, yeah, I mean, sort of like I, I don't know if you could argue too, but think yeah. about it so quickly. Mm -hmm. In that span of time, from '73 to now, yes. we're like talking about it again. Yeah, because like mean, you have one of the major presidential candidates saying, "Like, I'll, I'll, like, I'll, oh, have it overturned." Yeah, I mean, so like again, I, I talked to a photography expert who's been, um, yeah, who was a photojournalist, and she was like photographing back in like the late '80s and early '90s, and she was saying that you kind of started to see the image fade away in the late '80s because you know, in the past like 20 or so years, the focus has gone away from 
death and toward just access. So yeah. again, it's it's huh. we're still dealing with, it, with the same things, but it's taking I guess a little bit more of an I don't want to say optimistic, but it's it's like looking at like okay, so we ha- technically technically have these rights, but like how why are we watching? Again, it's like I'm from Indiana where like Mike Pence signed the law that says you have to like bury your fetus. Um, yeah. Like why why are we finding ways to get around this still? Like why why is if we have these rights, why can't we access them? Um, because it's America. And, <laughs> and people don't want that. Yeah. Um well we should unfortunately we have to wrap up. Yeah. This is really interesting. <laughs> like I feel like we're just getting into some very interesting territory. Yes. Which is also like un- very uncomfortable but but r- very present right now. Yes. Like like the idea it's so weird to me because the, it, like when I was younger and I feel like oh, through my almost my entire adulthood, this was not a real like yes, you always had people on the right who were like, We think you know, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. And there was a strong, like, you always had politicians who were like, I oppose this. But mm-hmm. it was never like, okay, you're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Like, yeah. so you're literally going to go back to the Supreme Court and be like, uh, gay guys, like, what do you mm-hmm. think? I'm not even sure, by the way, that's like really that possible yeah. at this point. Like, I don't think that. Yeah. It's like state laws now where it's, again, where it's things like Indiana being like, you have to bury your fetus and you have to pay for it. And it's like, right. well, a lot of women. Or like Texas ex- having one open. Right. Well, exactly. They, or, I mean, yeah, I'm saying like you can't have an abortion clinic within a thousand miles. There is like, good no. luck scheduling. They've yeah. manipulated. <laughs> I mean, they've really manipulated like the law in a way that, I mean, it is, it's it's so strange. I mean, there it is like we are like the country of loopholes. Mm-hmm. Like everything oh, is 100%. a loophole here. It's like, oh yeah, no, yeah, abortion's legal-ish, but not yep. after these state laws. And are you put have into to place. like wait this many like hours before you can have it done, and like right. you have to go to like this specific clinic, and like we have to close all of these clinics because like they're too close to public schools, and it just well, once we invent transporters from Star Trek, it'll be easy <laughs> because you can just transport quickly somewhere to like another state. Yes. Black Mirror, Black Mirror, Black Mirror. What? Black Mirror, Black Mirror. Oh, I don't watch that show. I hate it. Um, Okay, so I want to talk about this really quickly. So you wrote something for The Standard Hotel. Uh, Yes. And you, tell me what you did. I went to Isabella Rossellini's farmhouse last weekend. You like hung out with Isabella Rossellini. Yeah, I spent all Friday with her and her farm animals. Okay. It was incredible. I did not ask her to sing Blue Velvet. (laughs) You should have. I know. I thought about it. As soon as I walked up, she was, I mean, she spoke in, in, spoke in Italian almost the entire time because even though I told her I was not Italian, she's like, oh, you look Italian. And I was really? like, mm, Are you Italian? Okay. No, I'm not. Well, you like look a, Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Original. Isabella, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. We have a lot in common. Yes. She has pigs? She has, she has pigs. She has turkeys, chickens. Oh, is she there by herself? Guinea hens. Yes. Goats and sheep. She's just hanging out with the, with the animals. Yes. Are they in the house or are they... <laughs> like hanging out. I don't know if it's like a like a babe situation or she has a farmhouse and so then like I guess like a ten minute drive away she has her big like plot of farmland. So were you writing about her? Uh, I was writing about her and so and her son and her daughter were there and so I was basically just like wandering her farm with her and just I mean it's basically kind of just like spending a day with like where the hell is Isabella <laughs> where the hell is like Isabella Rossellini been in the past few years and it's like oh she's living out with these animals on the farm and just like and her just kind of off the radar and she was like she was lovely so friendly how old are her kids uh like early 30s and oh, okay. mid 20s oh they're like like grown up yes oh okay weird a strange writing assignment <laughs> yeah i wish somebody would uh, send me to hang out with you i know they were like are you maybe interested in this and i was like 
Um, yeah, I, I'll consider it. You're I was like, like, yeah, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I was like, I might be busy. It's a Friday. <laughs> so where is this, like, out on the West Coast? Um, the publication or? No, the, did you, it, no, was it like you had to go? Oh, no, she lives, it's right in Bellport, uh, oh, Long Island. like near here? Yeah, it was Wait, like an hour and a half away. are you serious? Because <laughs> I, that's where I was born and grew up. What? For the first few years. Whoa, yes. revelations. I did not know the face of Lancome was hanging out with pigs. <laughs> I have to go home. Goodbye, yeah. everybody. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. I didn't know that. That <laughs> is crazy. What a connection. Yes. Wow, so me and Isabella Rossellini are related. That's, yeah, yeah that's, that's all, what it means. If you're from the same place. That's probably why I look like this. It's yeah. all stunning. <laughs> coming together finally. Um, oh, well, listen, yeah. thank you so much for coming here and doing this. Yes. This was really fun. And thank you have to you. come back after your next Isabella Rossellini. Bring her piece. with you. Yeah. Bring her Either with you. Like, I'll talk less about spanking. <laughs> no, don't. Please talk more about it. And uh, I didn't say this, but since you wrote about sex magic. Yes. I want to recommend a book. It's called The Biggest Secret. Okay. It chronicles in great detail, um, well, uh, obviously a global plot, but also there's a lot of sex magic stuff and you may be interested, but it's way more fucked up than what you were describing. Yeah. It's like real, oh, I guess I guess it's like black sex magic is what they call it in the book, which is- which So is are you like summoning demons? It's like, yeah, it's like really weird stuff that's like has to do with- there's like child sex. It's really nasty. But we have a copy here if you want to check it out at okay. the outline office. Anyhow, All right. thank you. You have a copy here. We have oh. a copy, yes. Yeah, so you can for... read it. Uh, for research. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes you need. Why does, why does anybody have any fucked up thing? I mean, whenever, whenever somebody's for like, research. this guy has child porn, he's like, yes, I was researching uh, the phenomena of child pornography. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow, well, on that really bright spot, that high note. Yes. Thank I'm you. happy you said it. Thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week with more tomorrow. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best, though your family has just discovered your sessions with Master Gabriel and is very disappointed they haven't been invited to be your dungeon monitor. Here at The Outline, we've been consumed by the questions and vagaries in HBO's new show, Westworld. So now we're in a room to guess wildly at what the answers are. And that brings us to Out West, a pop-up podcast from The Outline about the wildest Westworld fan theories. Each week, we'll find one new fan theory and kick the tires to see if it holds up. And it probably won't. To do all this, we need your theories. Record yours in a voice memo or any kind of audio file and email it to us at outwest at theoutline.com. The grander, more elaborate the theory, the better. Speaking of grander and more elaborate, when he calls his ex-wife or whatever, he's like, it's hard to get a line out here. It's like, where? You make fucking robots. The internet's down? Like, what's going on? They're on the moon. That's where I think they are. I think they're on the moon. (laughs) That's my theory. Search for Out West on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, hell is empty and all the devils are here.